Jamie and I with you here in the Green Zone. Saskatchewan is watching intently on Prince Edward Island in Quebec at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. It's unlikely, uh, but they need PEI to steal two in ten, then steal another one in an extra to keep their playoff hopes alive. PEI just stole one in nine. Um, there's just a couple of rocks left in that end. Uh, unlikely uh, as it is, but they'll be watching intently on what's going on uh, if a miracle can happen. Uh, but we're really paying attention to Manitoba and Northern Ontario. Caitlin Laws with a win could force a five-way tiebreaker for the final spot, and it'll come down to last stone draw, which means Caitlin Laws would make the playoffs. I hate every part of that. Not Caitlin Laws making the playoffs, but the fact it's going to come down to the last stone draw where at the start of the games, that's how they decide who gets hammer in the first end. Then they tally up all the distances over the course of the week, and the best team in a tiebreaker scenario gets into the playoffs rather than at any point actually getting to play your way in. They changed the rules in the Grand Slam events because the players hated it so much that they changed the rules. Now they have one tiebreaker. So they decide on based sometimes it is on last stone draw who makes that tiebreaker game but at least there is a game to be played on the teams to make the playoffs again still rocks to be thrown in calgary for the scotties as we are eight days away from the briar in regina next friday we'll be there live to tee it up uh, from the branch center uh, before the rocks are thrown for the montana's briar but right now let's Focus our attention on the number one team in the WHL, and for the fourth straight week, they're ranked number one in the country. Yes, the Saskatoon Blades are red hot. In the last month, only one loss, and it came in a shootout. The head coach is Brennan Sony here on the green zone of the Blades. So, Brennan, you've won like 14 of your last 15 are you still like you still teaching hard, or do you just throw the puck on the ice and say, "Okay, you're playing so well, there's not much more to teach." Uh, quite a bit of teaching, actually. Um, after Gen Ten, we kind of went back to early season teaching, uh, broad structure, things like that, and even today, like we practice five on three, four on three, four on four, some adjustments, five on five regroup stuff. So. We're teaching a lot as much as we can. We don't get a lot of practice days because we play so much. So now that we have a little break here and a couple practice days before our game against Brandon, uh, we thought it was important to do some some structural things. So uh, there's teaching every single day. How important is that to to keep on them a little bit? uh, Because you, you don't want complacency to set in, or is your group, you think, veteran enough not to get complacent? I think complacency sets in no matter what league or age uh, at some points. Uh, but for us, like we're not on them, you know, mentally. Um, we're on them in certain areas, you know, like we, we try not to, to overwhelm them mentally uh, in terms of like pressure or stress or anything like that. Cause they know what they need to do competitively. Uh, sometimes they don't do it, but we will address that. But then, I, you know, we're not a perfect team, so every single day we're trying to get better. 
uh, regardless of having not lost in a long time in regulation or whatever our record is, we still have areas we can get better in every day. So that's what we're focused on. That's what we do today and we'll do tomorrow and get ready for the game against Brandon. The wins are piling up, as mentioned, haven't lost in over uh, in regulation over a month, only one loss in a shootout uh, about you know three, four weeks ago. Um, but uh, I'm interested in this uh, question, Brennan. Um, what are you most proud about? As everybody, all the fans and the media will look at the wins, what is the head coach most proud about on the way you played over the last month? Um, well, I love our heart. Uh, I... I was going over the years a little bit. Like last year, we definitely have talent and we have structure and we play well defensively and all that stuff. But that's that stuff will help you win championships, but not the way that heart will. Um, courage, like coming back from three nothing in the playoffs last year, that requires heart. Most teams uh, will just fold it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. most teams. Are not coming back from three nothing. It rarely happens, and you only do that if you have guys that love each other, that love being here, that are all heart uh, and courage. And this year, you know, we've made some some lineup changes and personnel in and out a little bit as we gear up for a bit of a run. Uh, but as we've gone through it since Jan ten, like the cohesion in this room is just growing and growing and growing. And I know a lot of teams say it, but it's our heart. The guys love each other. The guys play for each other. The guys want to get better. The guys love being here. And I don't know how many coaches will admit it, but it's true. Like there are just some teams, their players just don't want to be there come May. Like they, they smell summer and they, they miss home and things like that. And our guys, they just want to be here and they just want to play hard for each other and, and go for it together. Brendan Sony joining us, head coach of the uh, Saskatoon Blades. Of course, red hot right now, top team uh, in uh, the WHL. Uh, when you bring somebody in like Fraser Minton, talented guy, captain of his team, captain of Team Canada, uh, how much is he able to adjust, adapt, and become of that group who you just said loves each other uh, and become a part of that like how how quickly was he able to fit in and how much how important is his leadership in this room right now huge yeah he he played four systems in a matter of like four months you know toronto Kamloops, team canada and then us so just mentally that's an overload but he's so brainy that it didn't take him long to catch up um he can just take things from meetings and apply it immediately on the ice which is quite rare um, that's that's really rare. In fact, you usually have to practice things two, three, four times before you get it. But he can just go do that. On top of that, I mean, he played in the NHL this year, so the the only reason guys at 19 or whatever play in the NHL is they're fantastic hockey players and they're they're pros. Like he's mature beyond his years. He's a pro. Everything he does when he comes to the rink is professional, and that rubs off on guys. Everyone sees that he does it the right way, and they. They almost emulate it because they got to keep up to him. You know what I mean? So uh, he's been huge for us. He is such a good human being that an experience to our group. As a coach, how much when you're when you're teaching and you're doing that, are you putting it out there? And then how much do you throw it into the room? Okay, it's up to you guys to build that culture. Now I can't tell you how to do it 
you just have to do it yourself, so to speak? Or is that more a pro thing rather than a junior hockey team thing when you're dealing with teenagers? It's really any team, how culture breaks down. Um, culture for any team, the staff, the coaches have to live it. Like, we're not asking guys to do things that we don't do ourselves, um, whether it's dress code or preparation or in the bus. Like, we have to live it because you're a hypocrite if you don't live it. So that's the first part is the coaches have to live it. It's the leaders that have to carry and enforce it. Say it's uh, practice habits and, you know, being out early or whatever it is. The, the leaders are the ones that have to, hey, you got to get going, or hey, this drill, you have to do this, or hey, let's execute here. They need to be the ones that enforce it because as soon as the coach all day long, every day is trying to enforce culture, uh, it just gets old and you get tuned out. Uh, so you have to have a leadership group that buys into the culture that you're living, and the rest of the team has to embrace it. So that's the three areas of culture. You, as a coach, have to live it. The leaders have to carry it and enforce it, and the rest of the group has to embrace it. Um, so I think pretty much every area we got ticked off, I mean, there are slips, and then you address it with your standards of behavior. Um, so there are times you do have to address it, but in general, you know, we live it, the leaders carry it and enforce it, and then the rest of the guys embrace it. What will the difference be, or will it be any difference at all? Uh, last year, was no doubt it was the Winnipeg Ice were the team to beat. This year, it'll be the Saskatoon Blades. Um, how much is there a different mentality? Does there need to be a different mentality as you approach the playoffs? I don't think it needs to be a seismic shift in mentality. Uh, it's definitely when we were in the third round against Winnipeg, it was an underdog mentality a little bit, but in general. You know, as game to game or day to day or practice to practice, we just have a way of doing things. And I don't think you need to throw it out and change everything come playoff time. I don't think we need to add any pressure or anything like that. We just got to go about our business. It's all laid out for the players how we want to play, the competitive habits we need to bring every day. And from there, you know, if it, if it gets off the tracks a little bit, that's what we're for to to reinforce what has worked and and if we need to adjust some structural things. But our, our compete level, our our work level, it needs to remain the same. With all these home games coming up, is it a, a blessing? I, I imagine it's a little bit easier to you know, rehab, recover after games when you're at home more often than traveling on the bus all over the place at the back half of the season. Definitely a blessing. Like Speaking personally, I have a... a Eight-month-old daughter at home that's starting to crawl. So being away and, uh, you know, FaceTime's just not good enough, you know. <laughs> so being able to be home is a massive blessing. Uh, it's been good for our team to be on the road and together and, and build that, that group dynamic. But being at home, there's just something, something comforting about sleeping in your own bed and being around the people that you're always around. So definitely a blessing that we got a lot of the road trips out of the way. Yeah, yeah only uh, three left. Uh, only one game at a time down the stretch run. Uh, but uh, with all the home games, uh, the, we, we saw the energy build last year. Uh, speak to what it's like uh, to see that energy back in Saskatoon around the blades, the support you're getting, the crowds turning out, and how much that energized the guys in the room. I, When I was in the Western League before, I was out West, so I, I didn't know the history of the blades the way I do now. And understanding the fan base a little bit better. Like 
you know, going through years of, of not making playoffs and then that run where they loaded up and were out early, like that, that hurts a little bit. Uh, but I think what's happened is I think the people around the city have just seen the way we've gone about this build, the, the way the team plays. It's not just an all-star team. We, we are dedicated and have all heart and, and passion. So using the game, say, in Swift Current, for example, we had like seven block shots in the last 40 seconds. And we were doing that as the top team in the league. Like That's all heart and dedication. So I think what's happened is people have seen the success around the city, are excited about it, and that we've done it the right way. We haven't cheated through it or just sold everything. Like We had a great core coming back from last year, and we've added to it. It's not just an all-star team where we're focused on one or two guys. We've, we've done it the right way, and the buzz around the city has been phenomenal, even just people at the grocery store. and You know, just everyone's really excited, and, and we are too. We want to do something really special in the city. Well, Brendan, uh, best of luck down the last uh, month gearing up for the playoffs. Thanks for doing this today. Thanks very much. Have a good one. That is Brendan Sony, head coach of the Saskatoon Blades, number one ranked team in the Canadian Hockey League. And, yeah, top of the table when it comes to the standings of the Western Hockey League as well. Uh, well, Quebec just beat PEI, so they're 4-4. Four and four. BC just lost. They're 4-4. Four and four. Saskatchewan's 4-4. Four and four. Manitoba's up 2 on Northern Ontario, if they win, Manitoba will be 4-4. Four and four. Northern Ontario will be 4-4. Four and four. A five-way tie, possibly, for the final playoff spot in the Pool A at the Scotties Tournament of Hearts, which means all the teams, the next tiebreaker is head-to-head against the teams that are tied. They'd all be 2-2 two and two against each other. Win-loss, win-loss, win-loss which means it'll come down the last stone draw and leading the group in the last stone draw that they throw before all the games and they tally it up and they remove the worst of the week. I'm pretty sure if Caitlin Laws holds on here, she's going to the playoffs uh, at the Scotties. But we'll keep you up to date uh, here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie Knight with the air of the green zone. Two rocks left as we're keeping up to date on the Scotties. It looks like it's going to come down to a five-way tie for the final playoff spot in Pool A, which means it'll come down to who had the better last stone draws in the pregame all-tournament long to make the playoffs, which won't be Skylar Ackerman and Team Saskatchewan, unfortunately. But I'm sure Curling Canada has it all figured out for us in a couple of minutes. Time now for the Green Zone One Minute Drill, the latest in sports. Busy night in the NHL, 11 games. The Toronto Maple Leafs try to continue their winning streak. Five games without Morgan Riley, who's back in the lineup tonight as they take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Canucks trying to end a three-game losing streak against the Seattle Kraken. And in the WHL, one game tonight involves the PA Raiders. Uh, this evening. Coming up next, we'll talk about Austin Matthews hitting 50 and 51 and a story just breaking from TSN about a lawsuit against the Argos and quarterback Chad Kelly. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.
Jamie and I with the air in the green zone. Before we talk to Terry Koshin about the uh, red-hot Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, let's get you up to date on the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. It was a five-way tie for the final playoff spot in Pool A. Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Caitlin Laws, Northern Ontario, Quebec, and B.C. All four and four. All split their games against each other. All had two and two records. So, yes, it came down to who had the better draw weight in practice before their games all week long. Caitlin Law's team is through to the playoffs. I think this is ridiculous. Let them play. Figure it out. Let them decide it on the ice rather than who had a better practice shot before their end. But, hey, okay. Revise it like the NFL overtime rules in the playoffs. They can be changed. Also, this coming in from Rick Westhead of TSN, just to publishing this story, a wrongful dismissal lawsuit for the Toronto Argonauts from a strength and conditioning coach who says she was dismissed based on rejecting Chad Kelly's advances. Now, this isn't anything along the lines of, or at least not in the lawsuit, um, sexual harassment, sexual misconduct, anything like that is being brought up. Uh, Chad Kelly was trying to ask her out, and according to Rick Westhead's report, said something on the team bus to the entire team about her maybe relationship with another player, which she didn't appreciate. She took it to management. She says she was fired because of that and is suing the team and Chad Kelly for wrongful dismissal uh, from the Toronto Argonauts. That story is just posted at TSN. And I'm sure more will come uh, tomorrow as um, we figure out more of the story now that it is a breaking from TSN. Last night in the National Hockey League, it was Austin Matthews' watch, and he didn't disappoint. With two goals, his 50th and 51st of the season against the Arizona Coyotes. Terry Koshin's there, Toronto's son, in Vegas today for the Leafs and the Golden Knights. But, Terry, I believe it should be Austin Matthews' trophy. I'm talking about the Hart Trophy for league MVP. Do you agree he should be the no-brainer choice right now, February 22nd? Well, it's funny you should bring that up. I'm, I'm just writing a column on that ahead of tonight's game and saying that, yeah, that's my lead. Set it. Winning again for the second time in three years. If, you know, listen, if he falls off his pace and he finishes with, say, 65 goals or 64 or whatever, doesn't hit 70, then, then you know, perhaps we take another look at it. But, you know, he's fully capable of scoring 19 goals and in the, in the least remaining games to hit 70. We all know how rare that season is. And it's not like, you know, I'm not telling, uh, revealing any secrets here. Matthew's not a one-trick pony. The guy does so many things well, and he's moved up to fifth overall in NHL scoring. Um, you know, I know Connor McDavid, uh, uh, Nikita Kucherov, and Nathan McKinnon have all factored in a higher percentage of their team's goals as a whole. But, um, you know, no one has scored, what, almost 26% of their, their team's goals like Matthew has, has and, and just... Um, you know, the recognition of, of the rarity of it and, uh, you know, the way that he's just plowed through everybody this year, I think it only comes to our trophy if he gets a 70 for sure. I, I just I just don't, uh, you know, see how it could be any other way. I mean, he won two years ago and he had 60 and, 100, and 106 uh, goals and, and points, sorry. 
part of that was the recognition of how rare a 60 goal season is. Well, 70 is, is crazier. And, you know, on base now for 76, only, it's only, only four players have scored, uh, three players have scored more in a season. You know, what's, what's not to like about him for his second heart trophy in uh, three years? And Terry Koshin joining us of the Toronto Sun as the uh, Leafs uh, continue to go 5-0 and without Morgan Riley. Yeah. So are they cutting his ice time now that he's back in the lineup tonight against Vegas? I don't know what they'll do. I, I, listen, I uh, probably not. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see how Sheldon Keyes goes with his defense configurations. You know, in, in Riley's absence, uh, a bit of a revelation. TJ Brody goes back to the left side, and we know that you know, him being a left-handed shot, he's, he's worked the right side for, for much of his career, certainly all of his time in Toronto. But this was based on a necessity to get him to the left, and he formed a great bearing with Timothy Lilligren, who also really stepped into that uh, breach there left by Roddy and has played some excellent hockey. Uh, to say nothing of what Simone Benoit has done as a surprise for the team and, you know, the improved play of Jake McCabe. But um, I, I don't know. Roddy is their workhorse on the blue line, period. He's... He's led the team in, in ice time, average ice time for, you know, six, seven, eight years in a row now. So I don't think that's going to change. But the nice thing is, when, you know, when you see these injuries happen, you know what, you're forced into using options uh, you might not have considered before. And now that you're, there's a, there's some uh, normalcy back on the blue line with Riley coming back in tonight, you know, you can go to those options again. But like I say, I, I'll be curious to see what he does with it. Brody effective on the left side, so you keep him there and there, and in doing that, uh, split up the the the, um, the Riley Brody combination, but you know I, I'm joking. There have been jokes about you know they're keeping him out because they've been great without him and five and zero. Oh, and the record last year, I think, with O'Reilly in the lineup was fourteen two and one. But the fact of the matter is, on the whole, they're a better team with him there in the lineup. And uh, you know I would expect that to uh, continue over the uh, over what's left here the regular season. Terry, going back to uh, Austin and his scoring, as you mentioned, the three yep. players, Wayne, Wayne Gretzky, Brett Hull, and Mario Lemieux, yep. um, have only scored more. If he continues on his pace, he's going to maybe surpass McGillney, Phil Esposito, Tamu Solani. That hasn't been done scoring at that 76-77 goal mark since 92-93. Right. Even like 50 is rare. 60 is really rare. Yeah. 70s, we're talking superstar elite best goal scorer in the game today. Yep. When you look at, you've been around the game a long time. When you look at what Austin is doing and how he is doing it, what do you see as compared to, and I hate doing comparisons, but I'll do it anyway, as compared to the great goal scorers you've watched? Well, I just, uh, you know, I think the thing that sticks out, and you know, you remember the, you know, the, 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 the obvious reference point is 92-93 when both McGill right. And Slamy scored uh, 76 goals. Um, you know, and watching Gretzky uh, growing up and everything, and, you know, he more or less did it as a habit, and he wound up doing it four times, of course, <laughs> record, what, 92. So the difference, I, I don't know, it's um, comparing, comparing it, it's almost like comparing the games, apples and oranges, to when, when, when it was yeah. happening in 92, 93. The game's a lot different now, we know that. But, in doing what Matthews is doing now and looking across the National Hockey League, um, he just has no peers in the in the ability to score from anywhere. Uh, when you're below the hash marks and even above them, really, in the offensive zone, and, and when I say anywhere, I mean, we saw the first goal he scores last night to get to 50. He's off at a bad angle. There's no way that that puck should go in. Um, but two things. A, he has the confidence to do it because he scored 
from there before. And, and you know, B, uh, it, it goes in for him because he, he knows he can score from there. And, you know, however many players in the National Hockey League now, probably all but one or two of them could say the same thing. And one of those players would be um, uh, Nikita Gutrov, the Tampa Bay Lightning. There, it just, it's just the... Um, that deceptiveness, uh, you know, the, the shot itself, um, the usage of it. There was another, you know, game, one of the home games last week, guys, where he, the Marner set up on the power play. Um, you know, I apologize. I can't remember who's against now, but it's, it's a short side goal that has about a puck size hole that Matthews can hit and he hits it square and it goes, the puck goes into the net. I think it was the Anaheim, the game against yeah. Anaheim. But we've seen that happen so many times and, and it's what's helped set him apart. I think a couple of things that stand out for me is what he's done this year is he has not scored one empty net goal. Um, he has not, so no freebies, if you will. And, you know, Sam Reinhardt from Florida Panthers is having what we would consider a really good year. He has yeah. 59 goals. No one else has more than 40. So there's that gap as well that you look at and say, well, how much better is he than everyone else is doing this? And, and that. That's proof that, that he is. And, you know, Sheldon Keith made a good point the other day, guys. He said, look, and, and this happens with all the stars, and it, it is what sets them apart is that they get by what the team is playing for them. Like, Austin Matthews is, is what everybody is talking about in their, in their uh, pregame meetings or morning meetings on game day, Mitch Barner as well. And it, it doesn't matter. He just goes out and does what he does. And, uh, you know, the, the amount of hat tricks this year, I mean, you know, what is it? He's got uh, he's got six. No other team has more than five. Or that was the stat of a few days ago. I think the Oilers, Avalanche, and Ducks uh, all had five as a team, but no other team had had as many hat tricks as Matthews himself. So there are many things you can point at, but just uh, the overall ability that is just unmatched. And you know, I don't see how you'd shut him out of a heart if he gets to seventy. It's going to be crazy. Well, a couple things. First off, Sheldon Keefe, get him out there more at the end of the game. Um, well, that's, <laughs> that's number one. <laughs> he is out there. It's just, it's a I know. Man leads them with, he has two empty net goals. That leads the team. A bunch of guys up one. So <laughs> he's the not, kid. Uh, it's not, it's not that he's not, it just, it hasn't happened, you know, and he doesn't have a lot of power goals in overtime either, but so they're it's all amazing. Honest, five on five goals. He has 26. No one, I, think I know. I saw that. Yeah. So all these things add up. I, I, I was I was doing some math and I do it poorly, so bear with me on this one. But yep. I'm looking at his first seasons in the league compared with Ovechkin's first seasons in the league. He's got more goals in just as many games as Ovechkin does. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's by seven or eight or nine. But when we look at Ovechkin as the greatest goal scorer right now of our generation. Right. And I know this is absolutely. I don't think people understand how good this kid is at doing the hardest thing it is to do in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and, you know, Ovechkin, what he's done is um, remarkable. You know, whether – whether he, that, that's a, that's not even the right word to use, but it's like, it's like what Keith keeps saying about, you know, Matthews, you kind of run out of things to say. But, you know, Matt, Ovechkin on the way to, to breaking Wayne Gretzky's overall goal record probably should have and might need a few more seasons to get that done. But yeah. um, then you look at it and go, well, you know, and what, and what, because once, once Ovechkin hits that, how much time does he have left? How, you get, you get right. to say how much time does he have left now? At what point do you extrapolate that with, with Matthews and say, okay, um, when does he get to that point now? And he's already closing in. I think one more good season, he's going to set the lease record. It's 420 
a franchise record, 420 goals all by Matt Sundin. And, uh, you know, what did, what did Matthews at now? 350? So, it's, yeah. I mean, that could happen next season. In fact, I would imagine that maybe at this time next year, if we're talking, it might already be done, which is, is incredible in itself, given the, the fact that the Leafs have been around for 100 years in some form, or more than 100 years, and this guy's getting it done, and he's still in his 20s. So, you know, the Ovechkin uh, comparable is one thing, and, and um, you know, the fact that Matthews is scoring at a, at a, at a greater pace is really as earlier in his career than you know, Ovechkin was. Um, it's when no one else is doing it too. It's not like he has years here. I mean, we see guys get 100 points every so often, and there are some 50 goal scorers. But he just, it's, it's a, he's a machine, and yeah. and again, you, you come back to the heart thing. And the further this goes on, the less it becomes a debate. I don't even like the debate. Maybe a question. It's just, yeah, he's in the running now. But 70 goals, there's no debate. That is Terry Koshin from the Toronto Sun covering the Leafs. They're in Vegas tonight, one of 11 games in the National Hockey League. What do you think, Saskatchewan? I'm, I don't think it's a debate right now. The Hart Trophy's going to Austin Matthews. Unless, you know, knock on wood, there's injuries. Or he just stops scoring goals completely, but I don't see that happening. This is an unreal pace. Haven't seen it in a long time. Coming up next, Champs and Chumps on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. You two are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on, you're smashing. You tried your best, and you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Uh, you're a bad person. Each and every day, one champ and one chump on the green zone. The uh, chump is going to be the tie-breaking format of the Scottish Tournament of Hearts. Hate it. It's the same for the Briar, too. Hate it. It should never come down to last stone draw to decide who makes the playoffs. It should always be played on the ice in an actual tie-breaking game. Hate it. And the NBA All-Star Game, of course, as we get to the champ, uh, was this past weekend. Uh, as they tallied up all the totals from the different events, they had well over a million dollars donated to charity uh, through the NBA All-Star Game. So as much as you may hate the game or hate All-Star Weekend, there is definitely a lot of good that comes out of these All-Star Weekends in both the NHL, NBA, NFL, as they do donate a ton uh, to charity. There's your champs and chumps on this Thursday afternoon. Time now for the Green Zone One Minute Drill, the latest in sports. As mentioned, the tie-breaking format went down to last stone draw. Caitlin Laws of Manitoba makes it through to the playoffs as the number three seed coming out of Pool A, Kerry Anerson and Sturme out of Alberta. The other two, they'll decide the final spots over in Pool B tonight as another Manitoba rank. Kate Cameron can make the playoffs but needs to beat BC this evening as Jennifer Jones and Rachel Homan have already qualified for the playoffs. NHL tonight, five Canadian teams on the ice. Morgan Riley back in the lineup after serving his five-game suspension uh, for that cross-check on Ridley Grieg a couple of weeks ago in the NHL. Leafs didn't miss them. They're 5-0 and without Morgan Riley. They take on Vegas, and the Vancouver Canucks struggling all of a sudden. Three-game losing streak as they take on the Seattle Kraken tonight. Calgary, Montreal, and Ottawa also in action. And news out of TSN, Rick Westhead reporting the Toronto Argonauts and Chad Kelly of being accused of harassment in a wrongful dismissal lawsuit. 
We'll have more on that story tomorrow, starting at 2 right here on the Green Zone. Have a great rest of your Thursday afternoon. This is 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.